Hey everybody, it's Connor. Welcome to another amazing episode of Drama with Connor and Dylan McDowell, your favorite twins on the entire planet. And because we're your favorites, we know you can't get enough of us and you want even more. And I've got it for you, Drama Plus, which is the name of our Patreon, which is our bonus content platform, where for $5 a month, you donate to support the podcast. We can keep churning out these lovely interviews, chats, episodes, specials with you. And in addition to supporting us, we give you the goods. You get access to our Instagram close friends and you get multiple bonus episodes a month where Dylan and I chit chat with each other about all the fun, scintillating, sizzling, Broadway, pop culture, personal life drama that you're craving. All right. Well, thank you for finding us. Enjoy this episode and go to patreon.com slash the drama podcast for more. All right, on to the show. Press play. Curtain of an hour in. It's time to taste in. The shade and tea to spill. Ooh, drama. Oh, that's a tweet. Did they book? Who got nom? They option no. Oh, I'm not well. What, what star will we talk to today? Oh, that's a gag, honey. Say no more. Drama. Drama. drama welcome to drama a podcast that covers theater pop culture love and life i'm connor mcdowell and i am dylan mcdowell dylan i feel like we always say this when we do it together but it is always so strange to acclimate to recording when we're using the same mic i know the energy is always better you know what i find i don't worry about my angles on the video as much I actually do too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's such an interesting it's, thing. It's something that I'm less vain about when we're together in real life. Let's be obvious. If you're looking at Zoom, you're staring at yourself. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes. I don't know. I've really gotten into, especially on the podcast, I do look at our guests. You, uh, yeah, I do too. Mm-hmm. When they're like saying something important. Because it's always like, oh my God, it's surreal. Like there's someone here like talking to us. I right know, yeah. I know. It's so jarring. That's what I hate about when you work. Obviously, I love a hybrid model for mm-hmm. you know a typical nine to five job. But when you're sitting on your computer looking at yourself on Zoom or Teams or whatever mm-hmm. all day, it really, you know, warps your sense of self. It also is weirdly exhausting because maybe you are fixating on yourself yeah. more than like others, but maybe super weird. But anyway, I'm super excited. I'm stoked about this guest. I know. This is someone who we've wanted for a really long time. And before we jump in, I do want to say for anyone out there who is not watching Canada's Drag Race. Oh, I know that this, I'm the- this random little <laughs> jump in. I love it. I know that I'm the foremost Drag Race historian here on drama. Absolutely. And I just need to say it is one of the best seasons we've gotten out of any of the franchises in a couple of years. I would probably agree. Probably the best of Canada. Don't you think? Definitely the best. Well, I, I like, this, like the, the second two. one we enjoyed. It is just so fresh. The queens are really thirsty and, and hungry at the same time, I suppose, for the crown. <laughs> There's this queen, Melinda Verga, who is... In, in the best way, you know, like how we're saying, we're always aware of ourselves on camera or during Zoom. She is not aware of herself on screen right, in the right. show. And it's she's acting like she's in a real live scenario that isn't going to be scrutinized by millions of viewers. And it has brought some of the juiciest, oh, most yeah. intense drama, for lack of a better word. I know. I know. You're so right. Mm-hmm. Some of these, like untucked moments are oh, beyond. Yeah. I don't know if anyone has ever dropped the F-bomb that number of times <laughs> in one... Yeah, maybe Heidi and Closet on, on Drag Race before. But anyways, that is so good. If anyone's looking for a fun catch-up right now yeah, on Wild wow Plus, it is amazing. That's not my dose of drama this week. It's just something that I wanted to talk about. No, it's so good. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to keep catching up. I know. After this podcast, I think we're going to have to go watch another episode. Okay. I know, but Dylan, you know what's so funny? I, I just remembered one time when we were doing our very own podcast, we had Gavin Creel on. He was like, yeah. he turned off his Zoom camera because he wanted to just like focus on us. He and did. that reminded me of what we were just saying to each yes. other about staring at ourselves on Zoom. Interesting segue because we have one of the stars of the show that Gavin yeah. is putting out into the world right now. Which I want to say. I feel like Gavin gave us the drama exclusive. Do you feel that? When he told us about Walk On Through, <laughs> he gave us the whole, he laid the groundwork, he told us what it was going to be, and today we have one of the stars of it with I know. Us, which I, is only running for a little bit longer. I know. So that's why, I'm glad we got him right mm-hmm. before the end here. I know. I feel very lucky. Our guest today is a history-making performer and Broadway star who has probably starred in all of your favorite shows. He can currently be seen alongside Gavin Creel in the world premiere of Walk On Through, Confessions of a Museum Novice at MCC, which will be followed by his return to the Broadway stage as Middle Noah in The Notebook. In 2020, our guest was nominated for a Drama Desk Award for Outstanding Actor in a Musical for his haunting performance in The Wrong Man. 
In addition to appearing on Broadway in Wicked and the original cast of Waitress, he is the first person in history to play all the male principal roles in Hamilton. He starred in the world premiere of The Outsiders and Water for Elephants, and regionally starred in South Pacific, West Side Story, Legally Blonde, Les Miserables, Next to Normal, Oklahoma, and more. Our guest also appeared as Scott in the Tick, Tick, Boom film directed by Lin-Manuel Miranda, and on television in one of our favorites, The Good Fight, The Code, One Star Rising, and Curb Your Enthusiasm on HBO, now called Max. He is a 2022 recipient of the Cheetah Rivera Award, organizes for political causes, and is a teacher and director to aspiring artists. Please welcome to drama, Ryan Vasquez. Yes, hit me with the intro and watch me bounce, honey. That was <laughs> thorough and complimentary and everything I needed on this beautiful Tuesday morning. Thank yes. you. Oh my gosh, you're <laughs> so me up. Also, thank you for the, the aside about Canada's Drag Race because I watched the first episode the other night. I'm hopeful for these girls. It's mm -hmm. the first episode, so it's impossible, but I am a big Drag Race person and watch all the franchises and I'm, I'm excited for this one too, because I've been in a drought, even yes. though it's usually waterboarding, but I'm sort of in a drought now because there's so much and now there's not. The waterboarding starts with season 16 very soon. Yeah, because so. we'll get that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. like an international all-stars coming. I think I heard a rumor that they filmed it already. They did. Is there? Mm -hmm. Is there? Oh, wow. Yes. Yeah. Might have Alyssa Edwards out. <sighs> like one of the early rumors. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. Oh, nice. Okay. We can always do more I know. Alyssa Edwards content in my, in my feed. Yeah, I hear totally. <laughs> I did um, not know you were a Drag Race fan, Ryan. Just out of curiosity, who is like your favorite queen that you find yourself drawn to? I mean, I really love the like, obviously, like the early days, like sort of Sharon Needles, like, yeah. you know, offbeat, like trend that begins that sort of creates the like, Chad Michaels, Sharon Needles sort of like off that is in every scene, uh -huh. you know, or every season rather, That's you know, totally. but I love like those early girls, like Alyssa, like Detox, mm -hmm. uh, Alaska, obviously okay. like that, like sort of like golden era season. Okay. But now, I mean, like, it's interesting, right? It's kind of the same with like our media in general, just how it's like transitioning the whole like sugar and spice of it all. Right. Like there are lots of Queens that are like living this sort of like Instagram, like online way of doing it. And it's not to belittle it, but it literally just is different. Yeah. And so we're seeing now like, especially just like consumable media, just what a premium that has yeah. and how those early seasons of Drag Race, it's like, like Raja making all her, her outfits for that all winter season and winning and doing, it's just like such an amazing story because now it just feels the mass production of it all. It's just wild. Totally. So true. We'll talk about favorite queens. Bimini yeah. is one of my favorite love. queens ever. Yeah. I love Bimini. I got put mm -hmm. on the spot. But uh, I, I know. I can never think of my ever. favorites when people ask, you know, it's, yeah, I, yeah. I, but I usually go for the same era. Work very compatible, Ryan. So this is going to be a great pod. We have similar faves. Great. Yes. I'm loving it. Did y'all watch Squid Game The Challenge? No. We watched the premiere on Thanksgiving, I will say. Okay, yes. That is another pretty amazing and like that I'm a big game person. Like I love games, like board games and stuff, like in okay. a like in a real way. And so I love that show. Obviously the drama of it was amazing, but like the reality show I thought was super interesting because it's like different games and different psychological stuff. But like they do a montage at the end. It's not a spoiler, but they do like a montage at the end when they're down to three. They go back and show you shots that you've already watched that those people have been in that you had no idea because you were busy watching like the current like star that they were kind of like putting up but that they knew would get eliminated in the fourth season like the editing is amazing wow. so you're like oh i've watched these people go through all the games you actually see them pass every game but you just weren't watching for them and yeah. so it takes you through it's super neat like oh. i just think that's so interesting yeah. just like the editing and how the story like of reality tv especially like they make like a narrative of just yeah. the whole thing. It's really interesting. And how cool yeah. to be focused on different people and didn't just set up a winner the whole time, you know? Yes, That's really interesting. Yes. I've been meaning to watch it. I heard it was really, really good. And I think it's there was like a mother-son duo in there. Mm -hmm. And like yeah, yeah. a lot of gripping stuff going on. And of course, yeah, they did rushes well. on some of the immediate... <laughs> You know. <laughs> but of course that's, always. Always. that's what always draws me in now without spoiling it were you pleased with who won i was pleased with who won okay. yes i felt like they deserved and there was also no way i would have predicted it in the early like ons of mm. the season which is just always fun for a season of a show like that yeah. it's like when you just really don't see it coming there's no way you would have it was no so it was very cool. situation exactly right <laughs> so oh my true. gosh ryan you are so much fun you seem well we're catching you in the middle of the holiday season we like to check in with our guests. Are you doing well? 
I am doing well. Yeah, it's a nice like the weeks between Christmas and New Year's for me are always like a nice little dormant like reset, you know, where you get to just sort of be and like get your house together and kind of, you know, like get ready for the new year and stuff. And I really function well under that organizing, you know, um, like activities like that. So, yeah, so I'm doing really well and like at peace and excited for the new year. And Aww. yeah. How about y'all? Are you an earth yeah, sign? Are you? I, I'm a Virgo, so I love like organizing and resetting my life. I'm a I'm a Capricorn Moon, so I definitely like will sit down with the journal of it all and stuff. But I'm a Leo rising and a Cancer Sun. Oh. So while I'm sitting down with my journal, I'm crying. <laughs> <laughs> That's all that means. <laughs> That's so funny. Okay, so walk on through is is like what two more weeks left? A week and a half? Two more weeks. Okay. Yeah, yeah, two more weeks. So on January seventh, we close. It's been such a cool experience. Gavin has been amazing. It's amazing to even. See it on stage like after its life and stuff since before the pandemic and all that you never know what was going to survive and how things right. were going to change and everything so it's already a blessing in that way and then like to be able to have been available for it and like just admittedly like a busy time for me yeah. was just so serendipitous and yeah i'm i'm really thankful to be there how, how did so you get involved you. in it so gavin is just awesome and like oh, yeah. really is constantly looking for and seeing potential in people that even he doesn't know we both went to michigan so that's kind yes. of the the asterisk in it all but like he graduated long before i did not to you know age either of us but <laughs> you know i so i was on the subway and he approached me and was like hi like are you ryan vasquez i was like yes he's like i'm gavin creel i'm like girl we know and he he was like oh well just nice to meet you whatever like he mentioned something that i was maybe doing at the time but it was maybe like you know second or third year in new york i had no business really knowing him and he really just kept up he was like hey would you want to come to this rehearsal of this thing that you know i'm working on that we're just going to present to two or three people or, or a reading of something bigger or whatever he has so much music in the can the like cool story about gavin and i is he actually asked me to sing for another show he's developing that i think is still in development that he oh. was going to present to a few folks at the public friends of his when you're at that level it's funny he's like just a few friends it's like oscar eustace like see like uh -huh. bolger like it's like you know it's like his agent <laughs> from like you know william morris or something you're just like oh, okay yeah. just a few friends Yes, exactly. <laughs> I mean, not wrong. Like he's like, oh, there will be a few other singers. I'm like, I bet there will be. You get there, like, whoa. So we, um, <laughs> Casey Levy is another singer. You know, so it's like, so we we learned a bunch of this music, but it was in rehearsing that show, just for this small little reading. He's like, I'll pay you in brunch type thing. We that um they were casting my track in Hamilton next door in the in like the same studios in Pearl. And they uh -huh. came out and saw me and kind of had like an aha moment and was like, oh, we should bring him in. And it all happened in like three days or something. So I joked to Gavin, he actually had me doing this little like spoken word part in one of his songs. And I was like, You're getting me ready for my Hamilton audition. We were like uh -huh. joking about it. We were like, Yeah, sure, okay. And I was, <laughs> two days later I came back, I was like, I think I'm gonna get this. <laughs> I guess so this goes back kind of far. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that wasn't walk on through, but that was like the relationship of it all and then like yeah. multiple times he would get together with the director of walk on through linda goodrich was our professor at michigan both of ours and she is now the interim head of the department there and lives in new york and is restarting her career as like a new york director which is just i think amazing she's been a teacher for like 25 years oh, so it's it's really proof like you can just you can do that, you know, like you can reinvent or like restart or rejuvenate whenever you want. So yeah she and Gavin and I and other people would sort of get together and do like a number or two and stage them. And so it's all sort of been like the Play-Doh stage. But then in the last couple of years, you know, he got commissioned by the Met to do it at the Met, which we did at the end of 2021. And then they did a reading at Signature and they loved it and brought it to MCC. So, and I doubt it's the end for it, you know, like it's, yeah. it's really great and deserves to be seen. Absolutely. I mean, when he told us about it on our show in fall of 2021, it was so cute. He like wrote down our emails. He was like, oh, I want to invite you guys to the presentation. <laughs> <laughs> and we were like, oh, sure, you know, he's writing down an email. He invited, you know, mm -hmm. he's yeah, such sure a nice guy. Mm -hmm. He invited us. I went, that was some of the best original, like, pop-esque theater music I have heard in forever. I mean, I walked away from it being like, there's five or six hits in there of all hits. You yes, know what I mean? It was yes. so good. I need a cast album. So hopefully you something like both. That. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Trust me. The score is so, I mean, it, I respond to it so much because in many ways, like that is how I like to be creative with like still a sort of framework of like, you're going to go through the museum. You're going to, the things that speak to you, just stop and breathe them in and just write something about it. Maybe it's about the subject of it. 
maybe it's about the yeah. artist maybe it's about your relationship to the thing i mean whatever it is but like it's truly the most authentic you could be creating something right it's like you're not in any sort of strict structured thing other than oh this image this piece of art spoke to me and now i'm gonna sort of force myself he walked through the museum and and when something would speak to him if he came back to it he said he would sit down and for 15 minutes write in his journal like without picking up the pen just to like mm. sort of purge every thought he was having get it down and and if he would walk away something else would speak to him he'd do the same thing and he ended up with you know 20 or so of these paintings or sculptures or things that really spoke to him so yeah so yeah. so creative and so well done i think do you have any relationship to the mat like was was this sort of like an intro for you it was or? definitely an intro which is funny because it was also an intro for gavin like the whole thing mm -hmm. is like i mean confessions of a museum novice is like the subtitle right the whole idea is that he he jokes in the first line of this first song like i've never been here before like it's on the upper east side i'm never gonna go and like you know and, <laughs> yeah. and, and it's so true <laughs> like we really do take those things those new york things or those amazing like cultural things for granted there's so much in new york that i haven't done because i've just been living a life here you know but it really is it, it's amazing just the like wealth and breadth of culture and so he took the company like to the met and did a sort of mini walk on through like situation saw a bunch of the paintings and cool. stuff and so yeah but it, it makes me to be honest, like visual art was never something that I really responded to in the same way as like theater or music or anything. Like I had trouble like appreciating it. And it wasn't until this show where he, there's a number at the end called Daydreamer that he and I sing where a frame comes down and we both kind of look at the same picture and see it completely differently. And he's like, no, there's so much possibility in this. And that woman in the window has so much hope. And I'm like, she's despondent. Like she, you know, these, apartments are drab and the thing you know that's like what we're all experiencing seeing any type of art right like going to a musical we're all walking out thinking whatever the message was is landing on us specifically because of every little decision that brought us to that place and mm -hmm. like visual art serves the same purpose it's like you can want you can look at a picture of like a farm and be brought back to your home in a way that's like profound or you can think of you know like our time on Farmville and on Facebook in 2011. <laughs> I'm triggered all not of a sudden. Not Farmville. Oh my God. I have not. <laughs> Talking about Farmville for a second. Shouts to Farmville. That was, I, that, know. I logged some serious hours on Farmville. <laughs> you told me you were into games. So <laughs> I'm like, yeah, it's pretty much only Farmville. I lied when I said games. I'm still on Farmville. <laughs> building an empire <laughs> oh that's so funny wow well so okay so there's maybe like a handful of tickets left for the rest of yeah, the run yeah. so and do it but maybe there'll be life beyond it and maybe you'll be a part of it yeah yeah so. hopefully for all things you know like I've, yes. if i've learned anything over the last year it sort of just works out the way it's going to work out and you know you got to be present in that moment no matter what like if you end up being able to do something it's a blessing but the chances are even the things you do do like you don't end up being available for in the future or whatever i mean it, it's it's a crazy business we're in so <laughs> yeah. i mean speaking of which you have been a part of three original musicals that are coming to broadway this season yes. and i want to get into i mean it's crazy <laughs> I, I don't even know where to begin so maybe before touching all of that i want to ask you something we ask all of our guests yeah good idea which good idea. you know we borrow ring of keys from one of our faves fun home because we like to think of this moment as maybe a recognition that you had when you were watching something or participating in something artistic. Could be you were walking through the Met for the first time. <laughs> for many, it's like watching a show or being in a show, ring of keys moment. Do you feel like you had that at some point in your life that inspired you to get involved in the arts? 100%. I'm going to do a three-pronged one. I know Ooh. that's cheating, but it's just sort of... <laughs> <laughs> the first one, when I was maybe six years old, I saw I got to go with the middle school class because my mom was a, a teacher at the school. She said, I think my son would enjoy this. And so, you know, I, I, I took my little ticket and saw the Phantom of the Opera in San Francisco. It's such a, like an iconic show that now is just, I mean, like all these shows that run forever, it's like you go through all these oscillations of feeling like it's amazing and then you're like it's been there forever and then it closes and you're nostalgic for it and like all of it but as a kid i <laughs> lost my damn mind when they took the curtain off and he's sitting at the end and he's not there spoiler yeah. he's, you know and the mask is mm -hmm. on the thing i lost my mind and they kept us for a, a talk back afterward and a few of the kids were asking questions and finally i'm like maybe six seven years old i raised my hand and i'm like how did you do the disappearing at the end or whatever 
and the stage manager or whoever was doing the talk back, it could have been an actor. He's like, that's the one secret we won't tell. And the way I got like red in the face, like I must, like <laughs> now I must know, I must be in the Phantom of the Opera to figure this out. Since then I have friends in it, I've investigated. But I, I just thought that was like the mystery of it, the magic of that show, the epic, just sort of like theatricality of it. I was like, oh wow, this isn't something that's being recreated in its most real, like this is so heightened in a way that that's like truly entertaining and also like gorgeous and the music and everything. So who would you have wanted to play? Raul or Phantom? Oh, or when I was a kid, I was living my Phantom dreams in my bedroom. Like, you know, like putting the thing, doing, you know, like like yeah. the, the mask over, yes. <laughs> Just a basically castrate range tenor singing music of the night in my bedroom. Okay. Um, not quite ready with, with the emotional vulnerability, but we'll get there. Yeah. And then I saw at my children's theater store, I grew up in, in San Jose, California. It's the home of the largest children's theater in the country. It does a ton of shows every year. They have a participation from like eight to 20 and they cast everybody who auditions. So I started doing it as like just a community thing and then sort of took a liking to it and began like really diving into this as like the culture throughout high school and stuff. And I, um, I saw a production of the Who's Tommy when I was young there that blew my mind it was sort of how i sang you know so i was like oh it's not all like theater there's this sort of like pop element of it you know we we try to imitate that sound a lot in theater but there's like no substitute for pop writers who've been doing it for a long time who either created something that's being adapted or like write an original score for something so i really like saw myself mm -hmm. in that a little bit and then i did that you know they repeat the productions every however many years so when you're like aged into it you're like they're gonna do tommy when i'm a junior in high school whatever so i did that and like loved it and it was a great experience Experience. My mom always said that's the best thing she ever saw me in. I'm like, I literally played Hamilton on Broadway, but thank you for your time. <laughs> <laughs> Were you the titular Tommy? I was the titular tiniest Tommy, not tiny at all. I was the height I am now. But yes, I was. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes, I was the titular Tommy. Great music, just like amazing, bizarre show. But I'm really excited to see that when yeah, it comes yeah. to Broadway. And then I'll say the third one quickly is because it's a Christmas season. Jim Carrey's performance in The Grinch. Oh, we just watched it last night. So did I. I watched it last <laughs> night. We are on a, the same wavelength. Uh -huh. It is yeah. just so unreal. It's so heightened and theatrical. All the performances in that movie, I mean, Christine Bransky, like everybody, I mean, even like this sort of, you know, muted characters are still yeah. amazing. Bill Irwin, like it's great. But wow. I mean, to take something that had basically no dialogue and, mm -hmm. and they obviously wrote a screenplay, but like to create a whole like nuanced character, the whole bit where he's like deciding whether or not to go to the to the celebration and is like, like back and forth about it. And like she gets on, Cindy Lou gets on a little thing and he's like, I think I will go, whatever. She's like, really? He's like, no, it's like, just like, it's so rich. Like, uh, yeah. yeah. Because he had to come up with a whole voice to a character we'd never heard a voice for. You know? Everything and the face and everything. Jim Carrey's a genius. Like he, genius. I mean, he has he has five or six performances out there that are like a plus, mm -hmm. like culture yeah. making. Yeah, he's amazing. Yeah, totally. Even non comedic ones like Eternal Sunshine. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's yeah, like, so so good. I mean. I mean, Bruce Almighty does hold a special place in my heart. Of course. But I, I don't know how. Course. I mean, Ace Ventura hasn't aged well, but like his. But no, his... it's iconic. I mean, it's iconic. The mask, also. I mean, like again, of course, not aging well, but like, damn. Yeah. I know. Yeah, he's a, he's amazing. He's got an Oscar in him somewhere down the line. I, I don't know. know what's what's up with that. Did y'all see that um, Man on the Moon documentary that he did on Netflix about shooting the Andy Kaufman movie? He no. plays Andy Kaufman. Not mockumentary, really, but like it's a dramatized version of the shooting of Man on the Moon. And oh. he has a method actor situation that is definitely like makes you slap your hand against your head, but also you're like amazed by. But it's you yeah. know it's it's an interesting it's an interesting Ooh. documentary. You should definitely, okay. It's on Netflix. It's, it's worth watching. Okay, Ooh. we'll definitely take a look. I need to check it out. Okay, so in on the West Coast, did you know you definitely wanted to study theater in college? Or I guess I'm making an assumption here. Were you in the musical theater program at Michigan? Yeah, yeah. No, I was. I was. Yeah. Okay. And, and I didn't, I mean, I think like a lot of artists and just people in an artistic community at all, like there's a unfortunate bias toward this sort of starving artist narrative that like being an artist or being in the arts is not a real career path. It's that's sort of a hobby, you know? And so I went to an all boys prep school for high school and oh. actually Alex Brightman attended my high school and did this children's theater with me growing up, but he was a little older than me. And so as I was doing theater at this children's theater, I thought to myself like, okay, if I really want to do this seriously, which it seems like maybe I could, 
I'm going to kind of look to the people around me and, you know, like use what you got. And so Alex had gone to this high school. So I applied there and it was a Jesuit high school, really interesting environment in the Bay Area. So like really education forward. And I loved my time there, all boys, which is really interesting as well. Like it, it was, it was a great, like it was a great high school experience, truly for the most part. And which who can say that truly? So I, yeah. I, was, I was thankful. <laughs> was it like Dead Poets Society vibes? It kind of was. Yeah, it kind <laughs> of was. It was very like, super heightened sort of like you know bay area private school like just you know like you can imagine we weren't but you can imagine just like the weed like coming just uh, out of every you know <laughs> not in the classrooms but you know what i mean um, was it just like during the day it was a boarding school and and so i did not live there i was maybe 30 minutes away so like i commuted okay. every day but there were people who from like you know kids of parents who were at IIT, Indian Institute of Technology, sending their kids ahead to the States, to Silicon Valley, to attend Bellarmine so they could have a normal high school experience. And then they would catch up with their kids and begin their life in the tech sector or whatever. So like it was, yeah. it's a fascinating place. Yeah. And they did, wow. they had a theater program too. Like one of my mentors, like almost like father figure during high school was the head of the theater department there. And they did mostly plays and like, it's kind of like offbeat musicals, like Bat Boy and like, you know, okay. they, they were like they were they were doing like Tom Stoppard plays. We were like fourteen years old. Like I get this. It's like no, you don't. But like it's like it's good exposure. You yeah. Know? So it was very neat. So to have that and then this big sort of almost commercial like theater is not for profit, but it's like you know bigger musicals stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So I really got a taste of both. And so when I was applying to high school, though, I was told so much, or, or to college rather. I was told so much that you know this isn't a real career and you're not going to be able to do this. That like I sort of just assumed that that would be the case. I applied to a bunch of colleges for other things, undecided here, you know, like journalism here, whatever. And um, my mom actually said, like, if I'm going to help you with your applications and do all this, like you have to, uh, you have to apply to one school for theater. Like it's clearly something you want to do. So I was really grateful to have her. And so I did the research. I applied to Michigan. That was the only school I applied to. I went and auditioned in Chicago and got in and really never looked back. And then the, wow. the, the first week at Michigan, I got off the wait list at Yale and they were like, come over, you can still do it. And I was just like, I'm where I'm supposed to be, mama. There's no way I'm going to New Haven after that. Yeah, yeah, it was so funny. Well, but, especially at Michigan, don't you all have like the big like freshman welcome where like the seniors perform like that whole video? Yes, like yes, a, the senior entrance. Yeah, the yes. Entrance. I was just watching course. those with my boyfriend recently. I think a lot of it's inside baseball. Like some things I clearly don't know because I didn't go to Michigan. Oh, of course. Yeah, we yeah. actually went to the Ohio State University. Yes. Yeah, so oh, did you? Oh, cool. Yeah. So rivals in a way. Yes, yes. Rivals in the way that I really could care less about. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm always like, oh, no way. It's more interesting to me. I'm like, neat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who else was in your class? Like what era of Michigan was this? My class would have had folks you would know. Stephanie Stiles, if you know her. Erica Henningsen. Yeah. Um, yeah, Connor Ryan. Oh, my gosh. Uh, so many cool people. I just yeah, yeah. They're, yeah. I'm Now I feel like I'm blanking and missing. Like That's OK. Like, We're around the same now, age. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 24. Graduated. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. so. That's amazing. And then, did you book Hamilton right out of? Was that your first big thing right out of college? No. Or? Yeah. So I um. Well, the first thing I did out of college, I have to say, was I landed in New York, and they had had a switch up in a cast of a reading that they were doing. They called me about, and they were like, "Okay, we need you to show up." My agents were like, "You need to show up tomorrow, 10 a.m. Sign this NDA, and you'll be there." I was like, "Ooh, okay." So I show up for the for the rehearsal, and it's a musical adapted from the Backstreet Boys music, and the Backstreet Boys are all there. Oh my gosh! So I'm litty. I I I mean, I'm lit. I'm living. I'm I'm litting really. Yeah, I'm sort of like, <laughs> wow, this is this is beyond right. Like, especially like our era, we're the same age. It's oh, like. Yeah. Um, me found dead so yeah <laughs> we rehearsed this for like a week and sort of gigged around after that but that was just like a funny first thing to have done and the nda has um, expired now right yes of course yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, 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 the the production i think is is long in uh, in the works and maybe belongs as a vegas thing you know okay. uh, um, so was it like the story of the backstreet boys or was it, it was not people were getting shot dead people were oh. getting like it, it was it was beyond like it sort of started as a loose adaptation and then and then it really branched into something different but yeah so i was like <laughs> okay this is fascinating first gig in new york just being like so this is working here yeah but then uh, a few months later i auditioned for i was actually i was a reader at telsey for maybe like uh, for a few months, I had a friend who worked in the office and I started being a reader and learned 
so much like i mean you could not replicate that at a university but like just being in audition rooms and seeing people go through like all different like means to an end right i mean people who are hyper prepared people who kind of come in and wing it everything in between the decorum and like the way we're taught you know to like go over to the piano and put your thing and whatever and some people bringing their bags and dumping their stuff and it's all it's nothing is like better or worse it's just the combination of things it was just fascinating and um so i was a reader for wicked for a long time and actually emily cook who ended up getting Wicked, yeah. uh, who's in Kimberly Akimbo now. I was her reader yeah. for like her whole process and we're about the same age. So I would like text her afterwards. I wouldn't hear anything, but you know, I'd text her afterwards being like, you did so good. You know, like <laughs> they'd have me leave the room and they were making the decisions and stuff. But I was like, I, I thought you were the best one, but we'll see, you know, whatever. Yeah. And she ends up getting it. She goes out on the road. And then a few months later, I got it on uh, on Broadway because I came into audition and they were like, okay, Ryan, here you go, take your seat as the reader. I was like, oh no, I'm here to audition actually. They were like, oh, ho, ho, like Ryan can <laughs> sing, I guess. And I could sing for real. And they were like oh wait uh (laughs) and so i joined the company in 2015 and then emily cook came from the tour to be a standby in new york and she was the first alphabet i ever performed with as fiero so it's like a funny like full circle thing and we're still friends and so yeah that's very cool that is so so cool and then you moved on from wicked Uh, wicked to waitress Yeah. yeah yeah so i left wicked after about a year went into the original company of waitress which is awesome again like such a unique and like million bucket list things the tony's good morning america original cast recording like all that stuff and and also just to be in something that at the time felt like and still does like feels like a a really like thoughtful and artistic swing at something like it's still yeah. commercially viable of course but like it wasn't just sort of a regurgitation of the movie like right. it was really like tried to have a style and a theatricality to it which the movie has as well but i was looking back on that i'm really like amazed at what the creatives and what we all like put together i thought that was a great show oh and, yeah it's um, beautiful yeah, it's just beautiful and then uh joined hamilton after that in the new year went on tour for like six months San Francisco, six months LA, a few more uh, cities after that, and then uh, got moved to the Broadway company and was there for like a couple years until the shutdown. And that's where I was on stage at first. I did the, um, it's Man 5 is the track, but it's okay. James Reynolds and Philip Schuyler and all that stuff, dancing just enough. And when the heat gets too hot, I'm scurrying off stage to like wave <laughs> a flag or something. Yeah. And then um, and then moved off stage and like picked up a few other tracks and became kind of like their standby, one of their you know standbys who covered many, many things like pinch hitter type of thing so it was a great job it was so much fun i'm sure was it cool being out west in san francisco i'm sure you had a lot of people who were able to come and see in it yes it was amazing yeah it was so cool like i had you know people who would never come to new york people who would never get to see hamilton like i was getting tickets for people a lot because you know i had friends there who were like i cannot pay that of course you're just Mm -hmm. like but you have to see this this is like once in a lifetime like we grew up together and did children's theater together and now you work in tech or you do what you know a speech therapist whatever and like i continued to do this and now i'm like i'm gonna be hamilton tomorrow and you can come (laughs) see it like i mean it was just such a like unique and i mean for my mom and dad and like like my family yeah. and stuff is just such a unique way to like bring people because new york you know it's not for everybody it's hard to travel yeah. here and everything so totally. yeah it was, it was such a blessing it was really cool that's great if you could step back into any of the hamilton roles you've played tonight which would you like be dying to do i could play hamilton tonight okay i, I would need one hour of rehearsal it's <laughs> in my bones like it's been years and years now but like it's i mean four years almost but like wow. it's just there like i'm doing a gig for like a, a guy who won a county, uh, a county commissioner's race in Pennsylvania that a friend of mine was the campaign manager for. And like for his inauguration, I'm like singing little things. Oh, and cool. they're always, I do this thing where like, I do my shot as all the characters that I played, which is like all of them. So it's like very funny. And like people, yeah. people of course it's like, oh, whoa, that's crazy. But I, <laughs> I broke it out again. I was like, oh, right. Like, let me see this. I'm like muttering it under my breath, like maybe an hour before we started just to like, see if I remembered it and it's all there. Like it's, it will never go away. It's genius writing. Genius writing is really easy to, to memorize and remember, I think. Yeah. Huh. Oh, absolutely. Yes. I mean, I can imagine. So that rehearsal process, what roles were you originally covering then? Cause you, did you just learn all sort of piecemeal then kind of yeah yeah i was my onstage track for the rehearsal process so like i i kind of picked up burr because josh henry had just did it in chicago for a long time and so he took a little break and came to rehearsal a little later so it was like okay like i was kind of stepping in and sort of learned it like here and there we had another guy who was a 
standby, like not on stage every night, who was also covering Hamilton and Burr. And so he was kind of known to be, he was going to be the alternate for Hamilton too. So it was like, I kind of left that and was able, you know, everybody's kind of like a first or second cover situation, whatever. But eventually, like, as you learn the show and you perform it so many times, like, part of me, I'm just like, I don't see how you could not know everything because <laughs> everybody's on stage the entire time. The music is so infectious. And really all you have to do is sort of take in like the general image of it. It's like, why? The nice thing about Hamilton and these other shows that I've been lucky enough to be a part of because they're so good is like, nothing is unintentional. So like, if you're crossing from like here to here, it's not because you want to like, you just, the actor wanted to do that. It's to like, bring the light over there to make space for darkness on the other side so that they can load something in and it can go around on the turntable in time. You know, it's like, it's so smart. So once you start to understand that stuff, you're like, well, of course I'm moving there. It's not just like, then I cross when I sing this line, you know, it's like, yeah, there's, there's yeah. a reason for everything, which I think is really genius. Yeah. Wow. Did you ever have like a split track experience? Like I just saw that thing in the news recently where someone was covering Hamilton and then played like Jefferson in the second act or something like that. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I, <laughs> I missed that. There, there was a guy who, yeah, there was a guy who did, or I guess it wasn't in the same show, but it was Hamilton and Burr in one day, Michael Luoye, who is oh, one of the best actors I've ever worked with in my life. He was Hamilton with me for a long time, like on tour and on Broadway, but he, um, he's doing that new Mandela show that was in London that uh, yes. Shelley Williams is directing. I'm really excited for that. Once I did three or maybe four shows, in a row as four different things oh but i but i never did i, I did some mid-show swing-ons and stuff like actually my first time not my first time one of the first times i was on a sfiero it was a, a mid-show swing-on and they were like okay like for act two you're gonna go do it and it was like one of the first times and i was like 22 i was so nervous but that like andy carl or something like that is is fiero, is fiero? To... Uh, yeah. matt shingledecker and then jonah platt okay, okay. interesting yes yes okay. yes okay. yes well, you know, I'm looking at you right now on the Zoom and you're giving me, have you watched Ted Lasso? Yes, I've seen the first season. You remind me a lot of, of um, whoever plays Jamie Tart. Oh, Phil Dunstall. Really? Has anyone ever told yeah. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Well, it's a, no, it's a I get John Krasinski all the time, but I, okay. John, yes, yeah, no, yeah. I know. I really take, oh, are you kidding? Of course I take it as a compliment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. People are always like, is that a He's game him. Game? Are you kidding? Yeah, I know. <laughs> no, please, please watch the show. It's everything. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, wow. So you've had some some wild adventures, and Connor mentioned it earlier. Uh, you had this crazy year of three different world premiere musicals, or I suppose a year and a half. And I remember the Twitter conversation um, was, <laughs> "What is Ryan Vasquez going to do?" You know, it's this. It's did it come down to your own decision? Was it something that you just felt drawn to one of the three projects, which were The Notebook, Water for Elephants, and The Outsiders? Can you tell us a little bit about what led to you returning to Broadway now in The Notebook? Of course, yeah. So The Notebook and The Outsiders, I had actually been working on since prior to the pandemic. We did one, we did a couple readings of The Outsiders and then The Notebook, we had done one reading in January of 2020. And then both of those shows had plans to open in Chicago back to back in 2020 later that year. So The Outsiders was gonna be at the Goodman and then Chicago Shakespeare was gonna do The Notebook, which it ultimately did. Okay. And then in the shakeup of the pandemic, like so much became uncertain, right? And so like a year into it, there's shakeups on creative sides with directors leaving, different people like, you know, choreographers, everything, getting other gigs, deciding to reprioritize. And so you had a sort of realignment on a lot of these projects that set them back like so much. You, you sort of then clue into like the events of the world, not only like the sort of social revolution of it all, but like even just COVID on its own, right? Like these variants were pushing and closing shows left and right. We sort of forget yeah. that. It's like, oh, Wicked canceled a performance or oh, this canceled a performance because, but I mean, there were runs of shows that were like, we have six weeks to go and we're just realizing we're never gonna get out of here. And so, we're going to do three performances and and be done you know i mean six was supposed to open the day of the shutdown right it's right. like that's such a sort of bizarre and iconic like <laughs> uh you know like emblematic thing of like yeah. what what we were going through so yeah so with variants pushing it and everything like that it ended up that the outsiders changed theaters got a new director donya tamor they got la jolla for um, a production earlier this year and the notebook was right prior to that. And so as I was gearing up to leave for those, the Water for Elephants folks reached out and they were like, hey, we're gonna do like a proof of concept reading in the summer, just the first 15, 20 pages or something of the show to sort of show the circus to get, you know, it's really like a, a sort of like 
focus group more than a reading or anything, you know? And so we did it at the Daryl Roth. We staged it. It was super bare bones. And like, I mean, I love theater like that. We did one of the outsiders like that too, where all of the lights were just flashlights. I was like, let's put this on Broadway. Yeah, this is great. cool. Like this is creative. And so we, we did this sort of proof of concept thing and people raved and they were like, oh, this, you know, this is going to be amazing. We're going to move this to the Alliance like immediately in Atlanta. So while I was in Chicago doing the notebook, they called, they were like, we got the Alliance and we want you to do it. And so I thought, okay, cool. Like, What's, what are the chances it's going to do the Alliance in the summer and then less than six months later be ready to do a Broadway run? So I thought, you know, plant some seeds and like see them grow in the future. But of course, right. like when it rains, it pours. <laughs> and I will say, like, I'm really thankful that I think what it's emblematic of, because this never happens. And I think <laughs> what it's emblematic of is that one, all of the personal stuff that I need to be better at receiving and just saying like, you know, like I deserve these things. I've worked really hard, like all of this. But I think the sort of societal part of it and seeing that Broadway, TV, movies, we are really in like a renaissance of art, especially with the timing of like the shutdowns and with the strikes and everything. Like, yeah, we're so hungry for it. And at the beginning of the pandemic, I remember saying like when people got in their darkest and, and we're saying, you know, like it's never going to come back. Theater's dead. Broadway's dead. It's like we have been doing this since the beginning of like spoken language. And even before we will continue to want to do it. We will continue to hunger for it. And we definitely have. And there's 15 new shows opening on Broadway this year. Everything from movies that you love, that you want to see adaptations of, older shows, shows that did work, shows that didn't. You have Tommy yeah. and Merrily We Roll Along. <laughs> Sweeney Todd is selling like it's a like it's Renaissance. Like Seriously. I'm literally like, this is wild. Like, <laughs> like I, it's really amazing. And even to Renaissance, I mean, like to these concert tours that are, yeah. you know, oh, will people come? Will people want... I was there, let me tell you, people wanted to come. Like it was, it was, it was just amazing. And so we're really in a, a renaissance, like a rebirth <laughs> of art, like in a real way. And so I'm thankful that all those shows are all coming, even if it means I can only do one. And it yeah. was my decision. And I, and I think that, you know, like I love the, the nice thing too, is these out of town shows, like you go and you really make a, a family the closest thing to it. I mean, I have lifelong people in all of those buildings that I'll keep forever, I know. Aww. And in the notebook, I think really, I'm, I'm really drawn to it because it's a great show and all that, but what all those shows are great. And I think the, the difference with the notebook for me is that it's creating a new standard for what an ingenue or like a leading person in a show can be. Mm. It's not the movie version of the show where like you slowly take your tank top off in the rain and that's the highlight and the movie <laughs> is great but let's be honest like the way that we fetishize the romance of the notebook is very like it's sexy it's steamy it's these things which like it is of course but it's also about like who these people are the way they think about the world the way they intersect in terms of identity just intersectionality in general like the plot of it i mean is about really people say you know it's a love story it's like yes but it's about this woman who was told by her parents that she could not be with this guy because of his socioeconomic status she goes away sees that he kept the promise to her of building this house is drawn back to the house is seeing seeing again that he kept his promise again and wrote all these letters to her over and over when she was didn't think that she was because the mom sabotaged it whatever yeah. Then later on in life, she eventually chooses this person and takes a chance on what she is told. No, this won't work. This isn't by the book. This isn't the best option for you. She says, no, no, no. I'm going to take control of my own life and be self-actualized, be with this person, live the life I want to live. And guess what? Later on in life, when she loses her memory, the chance she took, the risk she took pays off because he continues to show up again and bring her back and eventually can and does like it's it's not the story of i i chased love and we just rode off into the sunset it's like yeah it, it worked out like he the risk you took the that that's not a that's not a movie it's not mm -hmm. a movie plot you know like it can happen and so yeah just in terms of like the the depth of the characters the critical thinking of like what it means to be a person what it means to be in relationship with other people in community with people all of the factors we're no longer just telling like a one-dimensional story about something it feels like now we're really telling like a deep three-dimensional look on two individual people going through an individual paths in life and they mm -hmm. intersect in this beautiful way and i really respond to shows like that i think like you know a show like kimberly akimbo and now we mentioned earlier it's like yeah it's bizarre 
bizarre, it's offbeat, but it's also slice of life in just the absolute way. There's no big moment that's happening. There's no, you know, like you get to just observe like reality. And I think that's really beautiful. Uh, very well said. Yeah. Wow. You're ready for your notebook uh, press tour here. <laughs> <laughs> it starts today, honey. Yes. Day after Christmas. Were you yeah. in it when it was like Vanessa Hudgens, Jelani? I was Abad? not. Oh, I okay. was not. That that was the first ever reading they did at Vassar. Right, so that it. was, yeah, that was that was just before I had joined. But yeah, and, and to see how it's changed since then. I mean, it's why I, sometimes I've, I've spoken to like Jelani and like other people about it. And yeah. it's like, I mean, you know, shows change, but it's crazy. Like th this song, that song, I've had so many different songs that i've seen come and go and i'm like i'm happy with the way they are now but it's it is funny i'm like i gotta i have some some cut things in here that yeah. <laughs> you know i think oh that's so cool yeah. i've heard yeah. the music i mean i haven't heard it but i have heard that the music is beyond the music is beyond that okay. is something i can i can say confidently it's like it it's the book too. I mean, like Becca Brunstetter, who wrote the book, wrote a lot of This Is Us. I mean, like she oh, knows cool. to get the weepies out and it's perfect the for the notebook. And Ingrid is like heartstrings musically, you know, like it's the most, I think that's what's beautiful is like Michael and Shelley directing, Ingrid, Katie, our choreographer. I mean, everything down from like Ben or lighting design. I mean, everything is aligned. Like everything is aligned in the purpose of the show. The cast, everything is in the same lane. And I think like that's rarer than you think, you know, like everybody wants to get their part out there. Everybody wants to have their moment and get their their stamp on something, whatever. A lot of cooks in these kitchens and like we have felt all aligned in the goal from the beginning. So I'm, I'm really, really excited for people to see it. Sounds like you're attached to the material emotionally, too. So I'm glad that yeah. you made this decision and I cannot wait. I'm glad it's one of the first new musicals that'll open in the winter because it, mm -hmm chomping at the bit to see it. Yes, <laughs> yeah, yes. Congrats yes. to you. I mean, what an exciting year just in general. And now to start off 2024 with a new musical is thrilling. Did, um, mm -hmm. did Ryan Gosling or Rachel McAdams come to see it in Chicago or not? Nah? Not in Chicago, but you know, Rachel McAdams is doing a play on Broadway at the same time. Sure. So she, if, I mean, whoever the publicist is, get her to the opening for sure. Yes. And then, yeah. And then, you know, you get her, that's one half. You got to assume if, if my guy's available, then he comes. Yeah, he's I mean, got to be, I mean, listen, he's, on the Oscar campaign trail anyway, so it would only be more buzz for both yes, of us. Yes, yes. Remind the people where you came from, you know? Exactly. Like we, yeah. So you're the letters, you're the letters in the rain scene. That's yes. your part. Okay. Yes. Okay. That's yeah. Oh my God. Okay. Well, yes, each one really has iconic stuff because like the young mm -hmm. ones have like that if I'm a bird, if you're a bird, yes. I'm a bird. And then what's nice about it, like they don't use any i mean becca has been really mindful to not use any of the screenplay so like those iconic like lines and stuff you know are like the moments are coming because it's in the story but the way it's written is like so creative and beautiful that you're like oh this is the scene where i mean the rain is so iconic right but it's like you don't get this sort of like sing-along of like what do you want like, <laughs> it's not that simple you know like it's like you it's really its own like I've been saying like it's not so much an adaptation as it is its own entity in like the notebook universe you mm -hmm. know like the time period is slightly different the actors obviously the way it's cast with three couples those three different people all look differently it's like right. we're we're creating our own piece that is the notebook as opposed to this is an adaptation of what you know mm -hmm. come and watch the bouncing ball go across as we you know sing sing if you're a bird I'm a bird reprise it's like, <laughs> <no>. <laughs> and there's probably a notebook music that someone out there wrote that has that. You know what I mean? I'm positive. You know, yeah. I'm po of all these shows, The Outsiders, I'm like, I'm surprised this isn't everywhere. I mean, uh -huh. it's, these are iconic stories and they're like Americana, like, you know, mm. our nostalgia itch is being scratched big time these days. Oh, yeah. And you can see, of course, with the shows coming, it's like, we love a rerun. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> Wait, really quick, before we move on to uh, Dose of Drama, I do need mm. to mention that we saw The Wrong Man mm. back... I mean, when when did that play? Was that fall 2019? Yeah. Or yeah, 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 okay. The hook of the wrong man singing this song. We still sing it oh, all the time. Oh my god, it has lived didn't on he, Ryan. It's so good. Yeah, no Ross. I mean, this man wrote "Dangerous Woman." Yeah. Period. There you go. Like it's just like that's all you need uh -huh. to know. Like <laughs> in in addition to a hundred other things you'd know, but I mean like. 
the hooks, the the pop elements, and and briefly because I know I can really go. Okay. Like we used to gather around like the dinner table and listen to like the Sound of Music on vinyl for dinner, you know. Like <laughs> and then that really stopped when we tried to create like scores that sounded like pop scores but were not authentically pop scores. And you kind of get into this like domination of the Phantom of the Opera of it all of like no these are still. I mean, Andrew Lloyd Webber writes iconically Andrew Lloyd Webber music. You, what you see is what you get. And then like, and it is beautiful. And you, I think like, you know, and it's again, aligned in the same style. So like, then you're starting to get now like pop artists, like the kinky boots of it all, right? Like these, you're getting the jukebox show for sure. But then you're also getting pop artists like Sarah Bareilles for Waitress, right? Like Ingrid, you know, Jamestown Revival who wrote, you know, The Outsiders, like, and tons more, right? Original scores by, I mean, the Gatsby that's floating around with Florence and the Machine. Like these are, I think, a good trend in terms of bringing, and you know, Glee and Hamilton and these things really helped with this, but like making pop music and musical theater and theater music like popular again and like, Mm you know, Dear Van Hansen, these albums go like platinum, Mm -hmm. like genuinely, right? So it's like, what is it about those that are really catching people? And Benj and Justin in that show, like, I mean, wrote these hooks and wrote these songs that are like palatable to us. And it's not to disparage something that's like complicated or like wouldn't be as much of an earworm because obviously it's like Stephen Sondheim exists, like I'm not denying it. But there's something too, it's interesting to me to see these theater scores really make their way into the mainstream. Yeah. That because the people writing them, like Ross, who wrote The Wrong Man, is an elite at writing pop songs. Mm-hmm. And with a little bit of story and zhuzhing from people who do this for a living, it's like true collaborating, like interdisciplinarily, that is, I think, nice for our industry. There's so much talk, I think, and rightly so, about a lot of theater becoming inaccessible to young people, becoming inaccessible to a lot of communities that haven't been steeped in it their entire life. I mean, there's something beautiful about Gavin's show, right, that like, it's about the Met, which you sort of think, oh, okay, like this is gonna be a Manhattanite, like New York experience, but actually is about somebody who has lived in Manhattan for all these years and has never been to the Met (laughs) and is experiencing it for the first time. And there's something approachable and authentic about that. And as we get these more kind of aligned, like authentic stories being told that that are about, even if they're movies, whatever, like it's about just life and personal experience in a way that's deep and that people can understand. So too, you need creatives who are like tapping into that same bone in, that's why I'm so proud of the notebook, like for somebody to have written This Is Us, which is clearly tapping an emotional nerve all over the country to then write a a script for a musical for the first time ever and be guided by directors like Shelley and Michael, who are of course so experienced in terms of story and crafting these things. And for Ingrid to write songs and have no ego about bringing a song and, and a room full of people all dissecting it and saying yes that part works but this isn't going to tell the story the way we blah 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 and with no ego being like great takes the notes come back with a different version the next day it's like it takes that when you're in someone else's pool a little bit and now it feels like the pools are really starting to be shared because like the mutual respect and and just community of it all so i'm really encouraged by shows like the notebook frankly like other shows that i did this year like that that are really beginning to sort of mind meld in a way that i think will be appealing not just to what you know somebody who's a self-identified theater goer Mm -hmm. yeah really quick about the notebook what's your favorite song in it right now like you can't wait for audiences to hear it i cannot wait for audiences to hear Oh, there are so many great songs. <laughs> there really are. There's a song called Kiss Me that the younger Noah and Ali sing when they're first like about to kiss and be intimate that where they're expressing their thoughts that they're having while they undress in front of each other. And it's the most charming, sweet, relatable, beautiful song. The middles like come out and sing with it in this gorgeous like build to this four part thing. And it's it's so gorgeous. It's called Kiss Me. And I sing a song in the first act called Leave the Light On. That's very like what you'd expect Noah to sing. Like, man, I'm sad on this house. Where is where is she? I'll leave the light on just in case you come back. Oh. That is gorgeous. And one of those songs when you first hear it, you're kind of like, okay, it's going to take a lot to tear me away from this. Yeah, yeah. Oh. And I need to mention your co-star, Joy Woods, who everyone who has been on this podcast, who has either seen her or worked with her is like, She's the star to be. She is going to explode after this. I can't wait to see you guys together. Yes, Joy is next up. She's amazing. She's not dancing a step in the notebook, which is just so rich because she can move. (laughs) And so it's like the fact that that's just untapped is amazing to me. Voice of an Angel 
is like beyond her years in terms of the human experience and just the performing reality of it all, which is such a hard thing to get young people, period. I mean, people, period, but but like younger folks, like to be authentically themselves on a stage when you've learned to like perform and do children's theater and all of that. And like, she's just so comfortable and can just get cooking. So yeah, no, that, that, that's a performance for sure to watch. Uh, Well, of course you, Ryan. I mean, Connor and I have been obsessed with you and everything we've gotten to see you do. And in particular, the wrong man, like we said. And so I can't wait to see (laughs) this next chapter for you. I'm sad that I'll miss walk on through, but Hopefully in the future, that'll it'll come down the line. Well, so. we are sadly wrapping up. We've had such a good time with you today, Ryan. I know, you're so cool. so much fun. Yeah. <laughs> oh, thanks, y'all. You too. <laughs> We'd like to end with a dose of drama, just so we can hear from everyone and sort of leave the listeners with something to, to chase after. Although I will say, you've given some great suggestions throughout this of different things. Um, I will start. This could cool. be a rant or a rave, by the way. Anything that you just have it. in your mind. And I am going to say, Connor and I got to see the movie Poor Things recently, which I don't know if you've got <sighs> to see it yet. I, yeah, I saw it yesterday. We're on this. We are. Or two days okay. ago. Two days ago. Actually, it was two days ago for us, too. It was Christmas Eve. <laughs> yes, Christmas Eve. I mean, I just thought, what am I watching? And then I thought, why is it brilliant? And Emma Stone is a solidified superstar. I mean, you know, yes. people who question her Oscar win for La La Land are shaking in their boots because she was absolutely <laughs> brilliant as Bella Baxter in this movie. The way that she embodied what felt like a toddler type character up through this well-read woman by the end it was so interesting it always kept me guessing and i felt like it told a complete story it did. that's the thing that we keep saying is like it's there was no silly subplots like the whole thing just stayed all the way through and with the exception of godwin and his affiliate starting creating another sort of person but, but, but i think i, it all I would argue that, that adds yeah, to yeah, the character yeah, you know, added, yeah, yeah, yeah. they were still trying yeah, to find it. but anyways I tell everyone go needs to go see it. It is so good. It's so different than anything you've ever seen. Although I got some Nightmare Before Christmas vibes, like with Sally and the Doctor. <laughs> when they took the like, brain out, the I was like, stuff. "Oh yeah." Um, yes, it, it, that it came out so clean. I was like, "I love the art direction of that movie was just." immaculate yeah. like even something like that like you're not going to take out a brain and it's going to have like you know everything connected uh-huh. or whatever it's just it's meant to just be like this is a separate entity uh-huh. this is a, i mean just everything about it was thoughtful yes. i, I love it direction I for it sure great. with the costumes i mean it was just so i mean I, I don't even know what era we were really supposed i mean maybe kind like gothic gothic of elizabeth yeah yeah i don't know well right but then even there are like i mean like satellite blimps right. like above <laughs> like the and things that look like skyscrapers and like oh that scene where she's like running down from the hotel on those yeah. crumbly stairs with like the people beneath and it like zooms out in the whole i mean it's it's amazing what these movies are doing i mean it's a movie renaissance right it now is. i'm telling you yeah like, so i think if, if you're looking for a good film go see poor things it's yeah highly recommend what about Love you Connor? Okay, well, end of 2023 into 2024, I kept a list of all the books I read this year and I only read five books. And I feel like that is compared to the, oh, probably hundred TV shows and movies I've watched, even more probably. <laughs> I'm so humiliated, I'm embarrassed. <laughs> I have stacks on stacks on stacks of books. I'm just gonna read books. Yeah, the laptop is sitting on all of them right now. I know, <laughs> I know. They, they literally just pop up my my computer. Drag her. Uh, so I am. Whenever I'm like, should I start a new TV show? The answer is going to be I should pick up a book instead. I also want less screen time because my screen time average has become embarrassingly high per week. So That's my a good dose New of Year's dr- resolution. Good New Year's resolution. Yeah. I feel like I do it every year, but I am truly committing this year because it, it's just bad and i love reading i love reading you only really asked for books for for christmas for me true 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 anyway books for me ryan do you have a dose of drama to end this episode of drama of course i did i was thinking poor things i can't lie (gasps) i also saw saltburn recently which is really great yes american fiction amazing i'm gonna see color purple this week and then i'm seeing all of these ads for like shows that are coming and the marketing is looking gorgeous for a lot of these and i'm just like these shows and having been a part of a bunch of them i'm like these are real swings artistic swings like real stabs at something and then like tv i mean even something down to like the nostalgia of like the squid game competition show right but the fact that if you i mean if for anybody who's seen it it's like they have squibs in their in their shirts and they pop and they die all <laughs> campy and dramatic and it's like there is just something about like art right now that is 
really like bubbling up to the surface. And I know that we we sort of touched on this, but like y'all listen to Lost Culturistas mm-hmm. oh, yeah. podcast with Matt and Bowen. Did this segment when I read about it, I was like, oh, this is almost like an I do think so, honey. So like I do, I, I do think so, honey, artistic swings mm-hmm. and poor things is such a swing. Saltburn is such a swing. American fiction, like these are movies even like a killers of the flower moon which is like of course like i mean we are really trying things mm-hmm. you know and and it's not just there is a gap widening i will say between like regurgitation of something that we know and like a true original thing i think there's less in the middle more and more but the things that are trying and taking swings are really paying off yeah really working and working for like the masses i mean you're seeing the jim carrey's performance in the grinch i looked yes. it up last night i was like this had to have made money this this movie made you know like five six times its budget or something like and it's because jim carrey Mm -hmm. is committing in this insane way creating this iconic cartoon like into a person no one else could have done that so i'm just so about where we're at in terms of the art being made it seems silly and like sort of gauche to be like we're back or anything (laughs) like that but it does feel like this year is really like a return to just the creation of art which is exciting but it's not a safe sort of tiptoe of like well let's just reboot and remake everything just to get people back in seats yeah, yeah. it's like let's let's do something real 100%. So, yeah i think the art that's being made and also the hunger from audiences is meeting in that way because yes. you know it's showing in like marvel you know all this movies that marvel makes the box office is has dipped because people want mm-hmm. new, original, exciting things. Mm-hmm. And we are so back, right? We, <laughs> we are so back. <laughs> <laughs> we are so back. You heard it here first. Yes. Say that. We are back. Yeah. Well, Ryan, this has been such a blast. Thank you for giving us some time. I know that you're very busy and like it's the holiday season, but it meant a lot to us that you spent a little bit of time with us today. Everyone can follow you on Instagram. You're at It's Ryan Vasquez, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, y'all. This was so much fun. Thank you. More soon. Oh, we're happy we did it. We'll let you know when we come and see the notebook for sure. Yes, please do. Please do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, while everyone's following Ryan, follow us at yes. the Drama Podcast. I'm at Connor McDowell. Dylan's at Dylan McDowell. That's right. And Connor, I will see you next time. Drama. Drama.